Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. My name is Sonny. I am here with my co-host, Caleb. Woo! And, of course, before we get too far in, we want to take just a moment to thank the wonderful patrons. So, a huge thank you to Cam Yang, Austin Johnson, Kane Martin, HZH Cyber, Marshawn Jones, Witchcraft for Main 2022, Zyphorus, Zephyrus, AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Lila, Blackwing, Silverwind, The Ascendant, is a floodgate. I think you're wrong, but okay. Branded Fart, Brandon, Cult of the Eldritch Gummy Bear, Damien Zinc, Dank Nugs, Invoked Fart, Mountain Man, Nico Gal Number One, Bottom Text, Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado, Pig, Rudolph, Sneaky Links, Sunny Use Stubbornness, and it was super effective. Unbanned Number 95, Konami, Virtually Savior's World, What Does Pot Agree Do, Zingus Khan, Aluber the Goober, Get Kaiju Loser, Maxi Solves Combo, Nordic Best Deck, Old Man Red, Pin Code 143. <laughs> okay. Ray Powell, Shockmaster did nothing wrong, and Slake ended up. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast. And, of course, we do want to thank our wonderful sponsor, Dragon Shield, for sponsoring the podcast. So, I don't know if you can hear that wonderful shuffling noise or the wonderful hand shuffle sound (laughs) that you get from wonderful Dragon Shield sleeves. They do a superb job of protecting the cards that you're playing with. I use them on all of my decks just about. And of course, you can also get your clear matte over sleeves, your perfect fit under sleeves to really go the extra mile on protecting the cards that, let's be honest, we spend a lot of money on. Oh yeah, what are Barons now, 140? 130, 140, somewhere in that range, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's something you kind of want to double sleeve. I keep my extra deck double sleeved, I know that. So, 
If you are interested in some Dragon Shield products, be sure to check out their affiliate link in the description down below, as well as, of course, the affiliate link to our TCG player uh, affiliate that we are... <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Also, check out our TCG player affiliate link in the description down below. Of course, you can all find that and it helps the podcast at no extra cost to you. If you're on Apple or Spotify, of course, be sure to go in and leave a five-star rating if you think that this helps you out at all. Uh, I do believe that we actually got a new review over on Apple Podcast. We do have a new review on Apple Podcast. And, uh, of course, this review comes in from Blade the Savage. Five stars. A cut above the rest. <laughs> Definitely my favorite place to get my Yu-Gi-Oh! content. Listening to these guys has helped me so much getting back into the game. I can say for a fact, if it hadn't been for the Top Cut Podcast, I wouldn't have built a deck and started going to my locals. Thanks, guys. You are absolutely welcome. I love, love hearing stories like that. I love seeing people leave those awesome comments and those awesome reviews. So, again, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to go ahead, leave that little review or that little rating. Just helps us out so much. Uh, I mean, if when you're looking for a new podcast and you click on that and you look and if you see a bunch of terrible ratings, I mean, you're not going to want to you're not no, going to want to listen to that. Definitely not. So and of course, check us out on Twitter. And if you're on YouTube, because we are we are doing more stuff on YouTube now, please be sure to give us a subscribe, a like, whatever. If you like the content, you can wait till the end. We wait till later on the show. You know, let us earn that subscription, but be sure to check it out. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, feel free to hop on over to the YouTube and drop us a subscribe there because we are trying to get our numbers up. So, all right, that's enough shameless plugging for now. (laughs) So why don't we go ahead and get straight on into the absolute meat of today's episode. So we know that there is a lot of confusion in this Yu-Gi-Oh card game. It's not an easy game to understand and it's not really something that comes very intuitively. A lot of the things that we have in Yu-Gi-Oh are were put there a long time ago and as and they're not really explained clearly in like even in the rule book. Oh no, which is now what 50 something pages long? <laughs> right. It's like 50 or 60 something pages long. When I long. first got a got, got the very first rule book they released, it was like 12 pages long. Yeah. I mean it was just With so pictures. Right, it was just so much less complicated because there were so many different, so many, so fewer, I don't know how to say it. There were a lot less kinds of effects and cards and things. Yeah, yeah, and there was a lot less stuff they had to explain how it works. Right, absolutely. So. Like, I think the most complicated thing they had to explain was how fusion summoning worked. Or ritual summons or whatever, but... Well, the thing about ritual summons is that, like, how to conduct them is written on the cards. Right. But even so, you didn't have things like problem-solving card text to help you understand what the cards did. Oh, my God. Before that, there was a reasonable argument for dark for a dark hole targeting. Yeah. Dark hole. I mean, it was a weird time in the game's history, okay? I mean, it, it was so bad that you literally had to take your time to go into the... You had to go to a Pojo page... And see and look up which cards targeted and which cards didn't. That that was how, like, this card can't be targeted by your opponent's card effects. Okay, well, which card effects target? This one says select. Doesn't, this I, one says choose. 
what's the what's the difference? The difference is is that sometimes select was targeting, sometimes choose was targeting, sometimes they weren't. Right. You literally had to go look up. Like I said, there was a Pojo page, and it was a list of every card in the Yu-Gi-Oh card game that did or did not target. Yep. So you literally all you had to do was just kind of go into the individual list, and then just couldn't control F, name of card. Now on this list, it's got to be on the other list. Right. Yeah. It's it's crazy how far we've come in defining the ways that these cards work, and yet there's still so many questions. Yeah. Uh. So problem solving card text was where they kind of started. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Like codifying this is what this effect does and using the same wording over and over again to make it easier to understand. Right. For instance, they start uh, in about 2014 is when they started actively saying this card does target by Ryan. 2011. Yeah, 2011. Thank you. Yeah. So the first problem solving card text printed cards were released on July the 8th of 2011. And from then onward, everything released has problem-solving card text. Yeah, and then, of course, over the years, they've added to it. They revamped it. Uh, 2014 is when they added piercing, I think. Excavation. Excavation. Thank you. Because we talked about it earlier today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's why the number, we, yeah. we did hours of research for this, and we're yeah. still a little... Yeah, yeah. A little, a little, yeah. A little... Yeah. That's why 2014 is in my head. Yeah, so that's when they added excavate. But right before then is when they added piercing. So before then... Uh, if a monster did piercing battle damage, it literally said if this if this monster attacks a defense position monster and inflict damage to your opponent equal to equal to the difference between uh, your attacking monster's attack and your and your uh, opponent's defending monster's defense. Right, right. Which nearly doubled the length of all the card effects with that. Right. Yeah, there there's a lot of this is mostly this is actually most notable by the way in board the spear. <laughs> Battles of Legend Lights Revenge is when. They added piercing. Okay, cool. That's very late. Yeah, yeah. That's like 2018, 2019. Yeah. But like, yeah, because like I remember looking at Board the Spear before and after and being like, wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> he has a bunch of other effects that do other stuff too. Right. So, just a little bit of a disclaimer here. We're not experts. No. We're Ooh. getting there. I don't know. I don't even know about that, but I would say if there's anything that we talk about that is unclear in this episode, be sure to reach out to someone that you know and ask for a little bit of clarification. Because what we're going to do today is give you a full primer on problem solving card text, how to break down these card effects, and how to understand what is really going on when these effects are going off, when these effects are activating, and what's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't... Like, to kind of help people kind of get the gist on what the card is saying, whatever it says, stuff like, when this card is activated, semicolon, blah, 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 blah. Right. Because a lot of times when we're reading off card effects, we'll mention, well, this is a colon, or this is a semicolon. Yeah, this is what we mean by that. We're right. going to kind of explain what we mean by, well, this is a colon, this is a semicolon. Well, we'll have to wait to see if it's a colon or a semicolon. When are they translated from the OCG to the TCG? Right, right. And it sounds trivial, right? It sounds me menial, whether it's a colon or a semicolon or whether or not there's a semicolon at all. But it matters. <laughs> yeah, I was, me and Caleb were talking actually over a Discord call and we were going over a particular card and my wife happened to be sitting in the room. She doesn't play Yu-Gi-Oh at all, so she doesn't quite like get it as far as like the importance there. But 
we're talking and I say, oh yeah, and this this is a colon here. That That's really important. And she looked up at me like I was a crazy person. But it really does make a difference. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, no, oh, yeah, no. particularly uh, whenever... Well, 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 you know, we'll get... Well, I was about to say we'll get into that very quickly. So let's just get right on into it, shall we? Sure. So the first thing we're going to define here and the first thing we're going to talk about is that there are a bunch of different types of effects in the Yu-Gi-Oh card game. So... And also understanding what the different type effects are, how they function, can kind of help you. Can kind of help you create mental shortcuts in your head. Right. So the big ones to know are ignition, trigger, continuous, and quick. Those are the four big ones that you need to really understand to understand kind of how these effects play off of each other. Now there are two subcategories that are do kind of come up very rarely flip and then there's just a big old gigantic section called uncategorized which are weird effects that just don't kind of fit in with the others yeah we'll get into those here in a minute yeah yeah let's start off with ignition this is one of the most basic and common kinds of monster effects you see this all the time and we're going to try to give examples for everything that we talk about here but the big thing to understand about these examples that we're going to give is we try to keep it meta relevant but um we end up just listing a bunch of cards in our own decks that we're playing right now so get ready <laughs> yeah, to be fair that's also part of that is because they're what we're playing right now so they're the cards that are just most immediate in our heads right so a good example of an ignition effect would be sword soul of taie so sword soul of taie says you can banish one Sword Soul card or Worm monster from your graveyard. Semicolon. Special summon a Sword Soul token. So, what's it, important to note here is that there's. It, it doesn't say when this do that. When this happens, do that. When this card is a normal summon. Uh, when your opponent does anything. Right. So this is an effect that you can just activate in an open game state while this card is on the field. Yes. So if I just normal summon Sword Soul of Taya. I wait for a response from my opponent. If they have no response, then we re-enter an open game state, and um, I can declare Taya's effect. Something else you could also very well do here is activate like a spell card from his hand, resolve the spell card, and then go cool effect of Taya. Correct. So it doesn't really have to happen immediately on summon. You can activate this at any point while this card is on the field, as long as you can. As long as there's an open game state. Right. Which is that there is no chain currently resolving. Right. So, it's kind of... Let, let's compare this with the next one, which is trigger. So, if for an example of a trigger effect, we can look at Sword Soul of Moyi. If this card is normal or special summoned, colon, you can reveal one Sword Soul card or a worm monster in your hand, semicolon, special summon a Sword Soul token. So, a big thing to note there is if this card is summoned right so the if this card is summoned and then a colon so this indicates the colon here is very important a colon indicates everything before the colon is activation condition so you'll see these on trigger <laughs> effects pretty much mostly on, always on trigger effects a lot of trap cards have them too yes so the the activation condition is 
pretty much defined as what the conditions that have to be fulfilled for this effect to activate. And when those conditions are filled, then the effect triggers, right? For, for all you people who remember the show, the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime from when you were kids, um, if you remember Mirror Force, it's tr the, the trigger condition to activate the trap card Mirror Force is your opponent declares an attack. Yes. That's a, that's an old Yugi Boomer uh, example of something like that. Uh, from, so, you know, triggers can be a lot of things. They could be your opponent activating card or effect. They could be the summon of the monster when your opponent uh, declares an attack. Right. But the important thing to know here is that that trigger condition happening there means that that is when the effect can happen. Yes. So... The diff big difference here between the trigger effects and the ignition effects would be if I normal summon Sword Soul of Mo Yi, I can activate that effect there or I cannot activate that effect there. But if I choose not to activate that effect there, I can't just go back and say, oh, and I want to activate my Mo Yi because he was normal. I, I can't do that. Yes, it has to be right then and there. Right. It has to happen when that condition is met. Now, if I don't activate the effect, and let's say I use him, he goes to my graveyard, and I summon him back with Monster Reborn. Now, his condition was met again. I can trigger that effect again. Mm -hmm. Or I can trigger that effect for the first time. Yeah, in this situation, it'd be the first time. Right. Now, he is once per turn, so I can't do it multiple times in a turn. No matter how many times you... Oh, I wish I could. That would yeah. be great. Oh, my God. But, no. I... Sword Soul of Mo Yi, when you meet that trigger, you can do it or you can not do it. But you can't do it again. You can't like choose to do it until you his condition for activation is met again. Yeah. Whereas with Taya, I can normal summon Taya. I can do something else and do perform other actions. Yeah, yeah. And like even a attack with it. Right. And then at any point in an open game state, I can just activate Taya's effect <coughs> due to using its ignition effect. Yes. Right. So it's. Think about it like this. Ignition effects, they ignite, right? Mm -hmm. They start the chain. Yeah, yeah. They start their, their own activation. Whereas a trigger, something has to trigger the effect going off. Like you trigger a trap. Yeah, yeah. You know, something has to cause that effect to actually go off. There has to be something, something out, some kind of game mechanic making this happen. Yeah, uh, for a lot of monsters, it's because it was summoned. Um, other monsters trigger effects trigger... Because your opponent did something. Right, right. Uh, those are usually negates of some kind or trap card. Right. So another example for something that is an ignition effect is Sword Soul Strategist Longyan, right? And it reads very different from Taya, but it's still an ignition effect. You can discard one other Sword Soul card or worm monster, semicolon, special summon this card from your hand, then you can special summon one Sword Soul token. So, basically, it... Is still an ignition effect, right? It's still an effect that you decide to activate when you want to, but it activates from the hand. And you'll see the difference between an ignition effect that happens on the field versus one that happens in the hand or the graveyard, because it'll say it'll 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 read in a way to where you can only do it from that place. Yes. So um, you can discard one other card or sorts of worm 
special summon this card from your hand, right? Yeah. It, it'll say what where it needs to be when that effect is to act. Yeah. Um, another example of that specific thing is actually uh, Plague Spreader Zombie, mm-hmm. which is uh, you uh, take a card from your hand, put it at the top of your deck, and then you special summon it out of your graveyard. Yeah, it says if this card is in your graveyard, colon, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the activation condition. You can place one card from your hand on the top of your deck, semicolon. So there's your cost. Special on this card, banish it when it leaves the field. So maybe we should also talk a little bit right here about costing versus condition. Uh, well, let's get through all the okay. re- all the rest of the effects. So a subcategory on trigger though is flip. You're not going to see it very often, especially um, not in today's metagame. Um, the the only like the only meta relevant example that we could give was Subterra Guru and maybe the Shadals. Uh, the key thing to note about flip monsters is that their effects activate when they're flip face up. Right. And it even says, as part of the monster type, that it is a flip monster. Uh, Subterra Guru straight up says that it's a dragon flip effect monster. Correct. And it says flip with a colon, right? Activation so, condition. Correct. You can add one Subterra card from your deck to your hand, except Subterra Guru. Pretty clear cut, but it's important to note that there is a difference there. Yes, because there are other cards whose effects activate when they're whose effects trigger when they're flip face up. Those are different from flip effect monsters. Flip effect monsters can also trigger when they're attacked and they get flip face up. Right. So a key difference here would be something like Deslacuda, right? You think about this when you think of the Pac-Man strategy from yeah. Goat Format. Deslacuda says when this card is flip face up, draw one card. Right, but that's an act that's an activation condition which isn't fulfilled in the damage step. Is that right? Is that how that works? Uh, I, that sounds correct, yes. Okay, so if I'm wrong about that, uh, I don't know Go Format rulings. I don't know if that's why yeah. that works the way it works, yeah. but, but the but, point is it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, because it does not say flip, it does not work. Yeah. Because then it'd be broken. Yeah. <laughs> so next we have continuous effects. So continuous effects, they, they're a little bit more than they seem on the surface, but... The long story short is this is effect. This is an effect that is continuously applying while this monster is face up on the field. So you will usually see this in conjunction with floodgates. Herald and I do Arc- not say this yeah. lightly. Uh, the a great example for that is Herald of the Arclight. Yeah, an actual floodgate monster. Yes. Who knew? Uh, ba- th- in my opinion, that's part of a floodgate. It has to be a continuous effect that's being applied. I mean, me too. Even even to, even if it's just the end of the turn, it is a continuous effect. But a large portion of our Discord server would disagree on what a floodgate is. Anyway, I think it's just a meme at this point. Anyway, back back to okay. So I don't know that it is. I think they're serious. Okay. So there, all the arc light is all cards. Any monster sent monster from hand right. or main deck to the graveyard is banished and set. Boom. End of sentence. No colons. No semicolons. That's just while it's on the field. That effect is applying. Now though, now those effects can be anything as as simple as just. All dragon type monsters gain 100 attack. Right. It, or something as complicated as this. Right. It, they could be very innocuous. Or they could be very. have a huge effect on the game state. Yes. So, the, the, uh, the next one we want to talk about is quick effects. So, a good way to think about quick effects is. they say quick effect. That's the yeah. best way to identify them. Yeah, like they literally say parentheses quick effect there's a so so like if there's a condition that you have to meet for the effect and trigger it'll say 
meet the, con- it'll say the condition that it has to meet first, and then literally Princess quick effect, colon. Right. So, a good way to think about quick effects is quick effects can be chained. They're chainable. So that means that these can be activated in at spell speed 2. So, a good example, like we said, is Ghost Ogre and Snow Rabbit. Ash Blossom Joy Spring also applies here. Right, but we use that one a lot, so... Yeah, yeah, so we're, we're kind of... Dancing go- around it. Yeah, kind of using uh, Ghost Ogre for this one. So, Ghost Ogre and Snow Rabbit reads, During either player's turn, when a monster card on the field activates its effect, or when a spell trap card that is already face-up on the field activates its effect. Quick effect. Okay, so... And then a colon. So, the way you break this down is, everything before that colon is its activation condition. So, you can activate this card when that monster face-up on the field activates its effect, or a spell trap that is already face-up activates its effect, right? So, you can activate Ghost Ogre. So, let's say your opponent has Appaloosa face-up, and they activate Appaloosa on the field. You can chain Ghost Ogre and Snow Rabbit to Appaloosa. Because these are quick effects, they are chainable. So, that's a pretty important thing to note. Another example of a quick effect monster who does who actually in fact does not have a specific trigger condition dd crow yes that is a it, great example it literally says in in parentheses quick effect colon right that's the activation condition it's just spell speed 2 you can activate in response to anything or you can activate during an open game state uh yep. discard discard the graveyard then uh target one card in your opponent's graveyard banish it right so quick effects are pretty powerful as a general rule of thumb, mm-hmm. I would say that they might, as a, they might be the most powerful of these, but a lot of times they're put on restrictions. They're put on certain cards within certain archetypes. They're, yeah, they're put on a lot of, they put a lot of emphasis on making sure that they're summoned or used a particular way, such as like Sword Soul Grandmaster Chi Zhao. Um, Quick effect, you can banish one Sword Soul Crawler Worm from your graveyard, then target one other effect monster to field and negate its effects until the end of this turn. So when you look at the caliber of quick effects, destroying cards on your opponent's field, negating, negating monsters, banishing uh, somebody out of the graveyard. Yeah, a lot of times they're really they're really they're attached to a powerful effect. Yeah. And that's part of being spell speed too, but that makes them usually a little bit rarer, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's actually not... Like, compared to Ignition, Continuation, Trigger, even Flip, they're, I think the rarest uh, type... Uh, they're probably rarer... Like, they're probably rarer... The Flips are probably rarer than Quick Effects these yeah. days. But it, Quick Effects are not the most common. Most of what you see is actually Trigger Effects and Ignition Effects. Now, the actual text Quick Effect was introduced in 2017. Right, so... Before then, the easiest way to denote that something was a quick effect was if it said uh, during either player's turn. A good example of this would be Miscellanosaurus. <laughs> Old yeah. printings of Miscellanosaurus do not actually say quick effect. New printings of Miscellanosaurus... No, never mind, they do. No, old printings don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, wait, new ones don't either. No, no, they do. Uh, so the original printing of Miscellanosaurus just says during either player's main phase. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so that'd be the common, the original common printing. Uh, right. Then the reprint gold literally says quick effect. Right, right. Um, so it says during the main phase, quick effect. 
Right, and it frees up a lot of text in the box. Yeah, too. yeah, because now they don't have to say during either player's main phase, it's just during the main phase quick effect. Right. So, and then there are there is an unclassified or uncategorized but it's, section. It's literally everything, every other effect that doesn't fit into any of those categories. So yeah, some examples of this would be a lot of people call them replacement effects. Yeah. Um, so if you look at like Sword Soul uh, Supreme Sovereign Cheng Ying, it says if this card would be destroyed by card effect, you can banish one card from your graveyard instead. There's no colon. There's no semicolon. So there's it, no activation condition. There's yeah. no cost. So it's not an activated effect. It, it's just a thing that happens. Right. But it's also not really continuous either. It's just a thing. Yeah. Um. Now it is an effect, not a condition. We'll get into that later. So it. So if you. So if you imperm or droplet the uh, Chinging, it, it. It. It can't do it. Correct. Yeah. So. Uh, another another great example of a unclassified effect is actually uh, in Salamangrates, the Salamangrate Sanctuary. Right. Uh, its ability to perform the reincarnation link summon. That's where um, it changes the way all your Salamangrate leap monsters work in that it, uh, they have their own materials or uh, a copy of itself. Correct. Um, so you can use Sunlight Wolf into Sunlight Wolf. Instead and... of two or more Sal- uh, Cybers monsters. Right. So... It allows you... It changes the rules of the game for you, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, but not all unclassifieds are quite that powerful. It's just... Some are as dumb as... Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, a really dumb one. Well, we didn't put that much prep into it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, some like some of them are kind of are kind of weird. Oh, like, um... Ad- uh, Adagio. An old, old card who... I don't even know what card you're referencing. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember what it does, but it, it had a weird effect that, like, like even back then, people were like, what does this thing do? Yeah. So, the next thing we're going to talk about is activation versus, like, an activated effect versus a not activated effect or something like that. And what how you denote activation condition versus cost. So, we've already talked about this a little bit, but just for the sake of brevity and for the sake of really completeness right really explaining all of it so there are activated effects and not activated effects so an activated effect will always have either a colon or a semicolon indicating that the effect activates and starts a chain so a good example like i like we've said our sword soul of mo yi sword soul of taya these effects activate and they start a chain but a good example of an effect that does not activate or does not start a chain would be Incredible Ecclesia the Virtuous. So she says, if your opponent controls more monsters than you do, you can special summon this card from your hand. Yes, that is... What is that? A semicolon? There's nothing. There's, so like, okay, it's just yeah. a comma. Okay, in that case, that would just be a summon condition. Right. So if, if your opponent controls more monsters than you do, comma, you can special summon this card from your hand, period. So... The thing about that is it's not an activated effect. It doesn't have any colon. It doesn't have any semicolon. So essentially this summon does not start a chain. Yes. So the way that you can think about this is summons that don't start a chain, they happen inherently. And I know that that's a term that most people don't want to use, especially when they're trying to explain something to somebody yeah. that's kind of newer at the game. I, I know that the term inherent summon is, <clears throat> well, 
inherently looked down upon. Yeah. But, but the- for the sake of discussion, it really does it flows a lot better than a summon that does not start a chain. Yeah. Like the best way I know how to describe it to somebody who's new is kind of like how normal summons don't start a chain. Right. It's just normal summon response window. Do you have anything active response to negate the normal summon? No. Cool. Do you have anything activate in response to the summon itself? To the summon itself, such as a quick effect. In resolution of the summon. Yeah, in resolution. At that point, the monster's already been successfully summoned. Summon triggers pop off. It'll go on the chain first. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, That's basically basically what it's saying is you can conduct a special summon the same way you would a normal summon or you just put it on the board. Right. It's something that happens inherently within the actual mechanics of the game. Yeah. It doesn't activate. It doesn't start a chain. It just happens. Yeah. When the conditions are met. Correct. So, but if there's a colon or a semicolon, that indicates that it is an effect that activates. So if you look at Swordsoul of Moyi, it has both a colon and a semicolon. Now, what does this mean? Well, the colon indicates that the there, there are conditions to this activating. For example, Moyi says when this card is normal or special summon. That's the condition for activation. So most of the time you'll see these colons like this on trigger effect monsters because they have to have a condition to trigger their effects. Exactly. So the colon is to anything for the colon to denote the trigger for the effect. Or the activation condition. Yeah. Then you have a semicolon. Now everything before the semicolon indicates cost. So when looking at Swordsoul of Moyi, it says... If this card is normal or special summoned, colon. Okay, well, that's activation condition. You can reveal one Sword Soul card or worm monster in your hand. Semicolon. Special summon a Sword Soul token. So, in, for sequencing purposes, right? You go, normal summon Sword Soul of Moyi, activate effect. Now, the cost for activating this effect, the thing you have to do no matter what, even if your effect doesn't resolve, mm-hmm. even if your opponent negates it, no matter what, you have to fulfill the cost of this effect, which here is to reveal a Sword Soul card or worm monster in your hand. So your opponent doesn't have to decide whether or not they want to respond until, until after you've fulfilled the co- until after you've paid the cost. Correct. In this case, revealing the monster. Um, other costs can be anything from... Sending a card from your deck to the graveyard in the or, case of yeah. N- Phantom Knights of Rusty Bardish. Yeah, or in the case of Long Wan, discarding a card from your hand. Correct. Those are great examples. Or Sword Soul of Taya says you can banish a Sword Soul card or War Monster from your graveyard, semicolon. Um, now, sometimes the, t- the, co- the cost is to just target something. Right. In which So basically, if it was, say, when this card is normal summon, colon... Target one one card on the field, semicolon, blah, 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 blah. So you would normal summon it, declare activation of effect, and then declare who you're targeting. And then your opponent decides whether or not to respond. Sword Soul Grandmaster Chi Zhao, the cost is to banish a Sword Soul card or worm from your graveyard and target a monster your opponent controls. That's all cost for, for Sword Soul Grandmaster Chi Zhao. Yes, so you have to do all of that, banish the card, and then declare who your target is on the field. Right. And then your opponent gets, gets the opportunity to respond. Yes. And then should they have no response, the effect resolves and the monster gets negated. Right. So 
that's the important things to note when it comes to a colon versus a semicolon. Like just to one more time, everything before a colon is activation condition. These are the requirements that must be fulfilled for this effect to activate at all. Everything before the semicolon is cost. So these the cost must be paid before you can resolve this effect. So you activate the effect, you pay the cost, and then you resolve the effect pending your opponent's response. Of course. So that gives us through activation and costs... And I think before we go any farther, now would be a great time to take just a just a minute to talk about another sponsor, ETB Games. So a huge shout out to ETB Games in Alexandria, Louisiana. They are, of course, a sponsor of the podcast. They are a wonderful one-stop shop to get everything that you need for the card games that you love. You can get singles and sealed product, as well as play mats. You can get deck boxes, binders, everything that you need for all of the card games that you love, like Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Digimon, etc. They also have figurines and the paint for the figurines, as well as pre-painted. They have dice, they have big tabletop mats, they have the guy strategy guidebooks and everything like that for all the tabletop games that you love. They also have a wonderful space to go hang out and play some video games. So if you are interested in doing in coming to ETB, they are located on MacArthur Drive in Alexandria, Louisiana. Be sure, of course, to check them out. And if you want to attend the ETB Battle City Tournament Day, that will be held on June the 25th of this month. It's an Edison tournament, isn't it? Yes, this ETB Battle City Day will be Edison format. So if you're interested, please be sure to check it out. If you need exact address and details, if you can't find on Google Maps for whatever reason, yeah. Message us on Discord. We got you. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're actually planning on going to that. Yeah, we'll be there. So be sure to come on and check it out. All right. Let's get back on into some of these cards and effects. And let's talk about mandatory versus optional effects. So most effects that happen in the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game are actually optional. There's a kind of smallish amount that are mandatory effects, but... Most of the effects, actually, you don't have to do them. So the main way that you can distinguish between an optional effect and a mandatory effect is whether or not the card says you can. So a good example of a mandatory effect is Artifact Scythe. Artifact Scythe says, when this card special summoned to your field during your opponent's turn, your opponent cannot special summon monsters from their extra deck for the rest of this turn. Notice that at no point does it say can. Right. So, versus something like Destiny Hero Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer, the other part of the famous Scythe Lock. Yeah, which is no longer a thing. <laughs> eh, technically it is, but it's just not, it's not very consistent anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Destiny Hero Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer says... When this card is destroyed and sent to the graveyard, you can special summon a Destiny Hero monster? Or yes, hero Destiny Hero monster. You can you can special summon a Destiny Hero monster from your graveyard during your next standby phase. So this is an optional effect that you don't have to trigger. So it's important to know why some effects are mandatory and versus optional. So another thing to note is... 
when you're structuring a chain link, if multiple effects trigger at the same time, then you as turn player get to prioritize those chain links how you want. Mm -hmm. But mandatory effects must go in the chain first. Correct. That is correct, yeah? Yes, that is correct. Mandatories must go first. But if you have multiple mandatories firing off, you can, at that point, you can arrange however you want. Um, so that's actually called Seagog. Simultaneous effects go on chain. Right. So Seagog is pretty important in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. So the way it works is that it's turn players, mandatory effects, they arrange them however they want. Uh, opponents, mandatory effects, however they want. Then pl- turn players, optional uh, effects... However they want. Turn play uh opponents opponents optional effects however they want. Right. So it gives you the opportunity as turn player to structure your effects in a way to where it makes it more difficult for your opponent to respond. A that- good a good op- a good example of this would be if I use Sword Soul of Moyi to synchro summon into Sword Soul Grandmaster Chi Shao, I can activate both Chi Shao and Moyi both right here which are both optional effects right they're optional trigger effects so sword soul moe says if this card is used as synchro material for the synchro summon of i think it's actually just if this card is sent to the graveyard as synchro material it might be which you can is... you can draw one card and sword soul grandmaster chishao says uh let's see when this card is synchro summoned. yeah if this card is synchro summoned you can add to your hand or banish one sword soul card from your deck so typically you can go Chain link one, Chi Shao, chain link two, Sword Soul of Moyi. So this makes it to where if your opponent has an Ash Blossom and Joy Spring in hand, they could only Ash the uh, Moyi. Right. So their Ash can only respond to the Moyi because that, that was the last thing to happen. That's called chain blocking. Right. And it's a very, very important thing to understand when you're playing Yu Gi Oh! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that way you don't attempt to use an Ash on a chain where you can't. Uh, a good example of that is uh, Chainlink 1, uh, Soul Eating Oviraptor, Chainlink 2, Lost World. Right. You cannot Ash Lost World, therefore in that chain you cannot activate Ash. Right. That's a great example. So, then if you look at the first part, so we looked at you can versus it just saying the effect. There's another part to really think about there. So, Sword Soul of Mo... Or how about this? I'll do Sword Soul Grandmaster Chishou. It says, if this card is synchro summoned. The if is the important bit there. Right. Whereas, if we look at a card like Yazi, Evil of the Yang Zing, it says, when this card you control is destroyed by battle or card effect and sent to your graveyard, you can special summon a worm-type monster from your deck in defense position. So, if a card says when, that... If the card says when can, when blank happens you can blank that means that the triggering effect has to has to have been the last thing to occur yeah chain link one the very last thing to occur a great example is activate effect of yazi to pop himself and a monster your opponent controls yeah normally that would resolve the last thing to happen was yazi popping himself because that effect will activate but let's say activate Yazi, because his effect is uh, destroy one crawl on your field and your opponent's field. Non-targeting, correct? It, it does target. Okay. You can target one Yang Z monster you control and one card your opponent controls. Destroy them. Okay, cool. Uh, So, 
if you ghost ogre the Yazzie, Chain Link 2, Ghost Ogre destroys Yazzie. Chain Link 1, Yazzie, Yazzie's effect resolves. Destroying the card on your opponent's field. Yes. Um, we'll get into why it still resolves anyway in a minute. Um, so in that situation, the thing that popped the Yazzie was not Chain Link 1. Therefore, Yazzie cannot activate his effect. And he, and I'm, this is in quotation, in uh, quotation marks, misses the timing. Yeah, missing the timing is a really like scary term to most to most Yu-Gi-Oh players. But the the thing that the way a card can miss timing is it can only miss timing if it has a when can effect. So when this happens, you can. If it says when this ha- uh if this happens, you can, can't miss timing. Correct. Or if it just says when this happens, Blank. do this right that's a mandatory effect and so, will activate regardless something along the lines of mirror force actually when your opponent's monster declares attack destroy all monsters your opponent controls yes. right yeah, yeah it's it's so that it, yeah it, that that's yeah that is correct i was trying to say that it's more like that for a reason it's like well it's a trap card yeah the point is only cards that say when and can are capable of missing timing and even then, it's not always easy to make them miss timing. Oh yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of win can effects that are, uh, like when your opponent activates a card effect, do this. A great example of that is actually Artifact Dagda, who I don't have a copy of me on, but he's a win. He's a wind uh, triggering quick effect. Right. Which means that. Okay, so like let's say I activate Double Evolution Pill. Right. With a Dagda on board. Again, going with the Dino. Uh, because what I'm playing right now, so it's in my head. Uh, let's say Sunny activates Ash and Ash's the double Evo pill. The last thing that happened in that chain at that point was not a card on the field's effect activating. Therefore, Dagda can't trigger. Right. And you still have... And you can't just go Chain Link 1... Uh, double Evo pill. Double Evo pill, Chain Link 2. Dagda, you have to give your opponent the opportunity to respond. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, but know that basically what missing the timing means is it means that the card that is missing the timing, basically, it did not have the opportunity to activate its optional effect because its condition for activation was not the most recent thing that happened. Yeah. So it cannot happen when that happened. Yeah, yeah, so, again, the only time you really have to worry about that is if the card says, when blank happens, do blank. You can. Yeah, you can blank. Right. Yeah. All right, the next thing you're talking about is targeting. Targeting is, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, basically, if a card targets, it will very specifically state on the card that it targets. Um, we're just stating this mostly for completionist's sake. Yeah. Um, so, like, a great example of this is... So, uh, our Grandmaster T-Shop targets. Yes. It How- says you can target one monster in your opponent's field and negate that monster's effects. However, DP does not target. Right. Destiny Hero, Destroyer, Phoenix, Enforcer says you can destroy one card you control and one card your opponent controls. Yes. So, it does not target. So, you don't select what gets popped until DP is resolving. Right. Whereas if you have to target, then, well, you have to declare who your targets are. And if they if something happens to them where they're no longer valid targets, depending upon how the card's worded, either 
you don't get that effect or that if uh, you don't just get that effect at all or you get only part of the effect again it that that's on a case-by-case basis yeah something to note about that particular is something like forbidden droplet it says choose not target therefore it does not target right it, so yeah all right next thing we're going to cover is once per turns believe it or not there's about six different kinds of once per effects yeah now keep in mind that a lot of these are fan terms to to shortcut saying you can only activate this effect once per turn as opposed to you can only activate the effect of this card once per turn right so just to real quick say what we have here is cards that are not once per turn at all so they don't say once per turn anywhere on the card you have a soft once per turn a hard once per turn what we're calling a super hard once per turn once while face up on the field once per dual effects so let's start with not once per turn at all yeah. these are pretty simple this is a card that it has its effect and it's you can do it whenever you want it it's Ooh. just you can do it over and over and over and over and it doesn't say once per turn anywhere on the card i have a great old old example for that i'm here for it cannon soldier that that's that is a wonderful example yeah so cannon soldier reads uh you contribute one monster you control deal a hundred deal some i don't remember how much effect damage deal some effect damage it's 500 deal some effect damage yeah it does not say once per turn so as long as you have monsters on field you can just keep activating that effect so let's so let's say you got a bunch of frogs on field and and like a bunch of frogs in the grave and rodent totems you can tribute rodent totem burn tribute burn tribute burn effect to revive the rodent totems tribute burn tribute burn tribute burn effect to revive right, the rodent right. exactly yeah etc another great example of a really meta relevant card that does not say once per turn anywhere on it is fairy tale snow so fairy tale snow reads if this card is normal or special summoned, you can target one face-up monster your opponent controls, change it to face-down defense position. During either player's turn, if this card is in your graveyard, you can banish seven other cards from your hand, field, and or graveyard special summon this card. So, it doesn't say once per turn. That part's a quick effect, right? Well, it says during either player's turn. So, so yes, yeah, that would be a quick effect. Essentially. It, it's a pre-quick effect. Right. It, during either player's turn, if this card is in your graveyard. So essentially what that means is for the like the revival effect, you can activate effect, banish seven, your opponent gets the opportunity to respond. Let's say they activate DD Crow targeting it. You can chain if, snow to DD Crow. If you have enough materials engraved to banish, you can go activate effect of snow again. Hand, handfield or grave. Yeah, handfield, yeah, then banish more cards and get it anyway. Right. Yeah, um, fairy tale snow is crazy that yeah. card should be banned <laughs> and then, like something else you can do is if you ha again having the materials to do so you could like link it off right yep and then uh, so you can like so you can like normal summon activates effect flip 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 a card link it off revive it flip a card again because it was summoned again properly right and then link it off again and then revive it again and then do it again yes because uh, nothing is once per turn on that card and typically um, some of the most broken cards in the game's history are not once per turn. Or, they're a soft once per turn. Mm -hmm. So, a soft once per turn is, it says once per turn and then has the effect. So, I know that that says, oh, well, that means it's once per turn, but what this means is it's once per turn for that instance. Right. For that particular copy of that card. But, notably if it leaves the field or and if, then comes back or whatever it's a different card um 
a great example of that, actually, is uh, Baby Ceratosaurus. Well, it's not no, a once per turn. No. Toy Vendor. Toy Vendor. There you go. All right. So Toy Vendor says once per turn, colon, you can discard one card, semicolon, draw one card and show it. Then if it is a fluffle monster, you can special summon it, special summon one monster from your hand. Otherwise, discard the card you drew. And then it says if this card is sent to the graveyard, you can add one edge savers or one fluffle monster from your deck to your hand. Okay. So lots to unpack there. The, the only, the important bit is that first line. Once per turn, discard one card. Et cetera, right, etc. That means that if you have three copies, you can do it three times. Correct. But if you have one copy, send it to the graveyard, and in the same t- activates effect. Let's say you then pop it with a card effect, get it back to your hand, reactivate it. You can activate its again effect again because that's a different. As far as the game mechanics are concerned, that's a different toy vendor than was activated before. Correct. It's a different instance of that card. Yes. So soft once returns. Another one is Zodiac Chalk and Nine. Yes. So Zodiac Chalkanine says that once per turn, you can detach an Xyz material from this card, target one Zodiac monster in your graveyard, and special summon it. So here's an example of a Zodiac combo line that they would go to to go into oh, uh, Infinitrack Fortress Megaclops. You can normal summon Zodiac right here, activate effect, send Zodiac Ram Ram from your deck to the graveyard. Then you use Rat Pierre as material to make Zodiac Chalkanine. Activate Chalkanine's effect to summon Zodiac Ram Ram. So, you've used up the once per turn of this Chalkanine, right? But, then you overlay Dryden over Chalkanine, activate Dryden, detaching Chalkanine, to destroy Ram Ram. So, what happens here is, Ram Ram's effect triggers and special summons the Chalkanine back. Now the game, as far as, it's con- as far as the game is concerned, this is a new copy of this card. It's a new instance of this card. So you can activate that effect again. Right, so you can go Tiger Mortar on top of Dryden, effective Tiger Mortar, detach Dryden to attach Ram Ram to Chalkanine's material. Then you detach from Chalkanine to summon Dryden back, and now you have three Xyz monsters on your board, and you can make Infinitrack Fortress Megaclops. Mm-hmm. Or you can, now that you have it, you, can, you don't even have to activate it. You can just go into Utopic Draco Future. But yeah, yeah. The point is... It gives you the ability to recycle and reuse these effects multiple times off of one card. That's why soft once returns and not once return effects are so feared and revered throughout the game's history. Oh, yeah. You also have some effects that say once per chain. So this is like Opelousa above the goddess. Yeah. This You can only activate this effect once per chain. Um, so a great example of an instance where that matters is with Appaloosa. Like, let's say... My opponent activates a card effect. I activate Appaloosa. They activate another monster effect. Ghost Ogre. Ghost Ogre. I cannot activate Appalo- that Apple that Appaloosa. Again in the chain. Again in that chain. Now if I have a second Appaloosa, I can activate that one. Because that's a different one. But what are the odds of anyone ever having... Multiple Appaloosas. On board. I don't know if that even... Anyway, that's not the point. Yeah, that's not the point. The point is, once per chain, it has... Uh, fun you f- don't fact check us on that. We don't know that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like nine. <laughs> I don't have Opelous in front of me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm like ninety nine percent sure. I'm reading it now. Uh, I guess that is how that would work. I guess I've just never considered it. Yeah, it is because it because it doesn't say like it, there's no indicator that it's Appaloosa the bow right. the goddess. It's just once per chain you can make this this card loses a counter attack. 
Next, we have hard ones per turn. See, that's a good example of reading a card to try and figure out how its effect would work. Right. That's why this is important. So, hard ones per turn say you can only activate or use the effect of this card once per turn. Ash Blossom Enjoy Spring is a hard ones per turn because you can only activate or use this effect of Ash Blossom Enjoy Spring once per turn. So that means that you can only activate or use the effect of any card with this card's name once per turn. We'll get into the why we're saying activate or use. That's actually very important. Right. Uh, another example where a card has multiple effects that are like once per turn mm-hmm. is Soul Eating Overwrap because on Normal Summon, Search, that can also pop to Revive. At the very end, you can only use each effect of Soul Eating Overwrapter once per turn, which means that even if I like pop this one and then bring it back, and then if I've already activated the, either one of those effects, I cannot activate them. Right. So next we have what we're calling a super hard once per turn. This reads, you can only activate or use one of this card's effects once per turn and only once that turn. So a good example is Heavenly Dragon Circle. It has two effects, one where you tribute a worm to add one from your deck to your hand, or if it's in your graveyard, then during the main phase, if you control a face-up non-effect monster, you can banish it from your graveyard to add a 10U card from your deck to your hand. But then at the end, you can only use one Heavenly Dragon Circle effect per turn and only once that turn. So essentially, it means that it has multiple effects, but you can only use one of them per turn. Mm-hmm. Sword Soul Grandmaster Chi Shao is the same way. Oh yeah, there, there's a lot of cards, but these cards, but that, but the whole super hard once per turn is very dick. One hearts per uh, one hard super hard once per turn. Tongue twister there uh, <laughs> is the fact that it has multiple effects, but you can only get one of them at a time. Right. So usually this is limited for very powerful cards that have very powerful effects. Next, we have the once while face up on the field. So this is not something that comes up very often, but it does happen. The so, most notable one is Baron de Fleur. Yeah, so Baron de Fleur says it has its Omni Negate effect, and it says you can only use this effect of this card once while this card is face up on the field. And then, just for good measure, it says you can only use the previous effect once per turn. So it's once while face up on the field and once per turn. It's a hard once per turn on that, isn't it? Yes. So, okay, so so ignoring the fact that it's a hard once per turn real quick, that means that, let's say, let's say it's, you've already summoned it for a turn, it's come back to you, you activate the negate, and then you book a moon, and then flip summon it. Yes. It would, you would then get that, you'd then be able to get that effect again. Alright. But because it does say you can only use the effect, this effect once per turn, blah, 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 wouldn't work. Right. Next, you have once per duel effects. So this is things like glow up bulb or spore. You can only activate or use this effect once per duel. It's pretty self-explanatory, but we figured it was worth mentioning. So next, we're going to talk about the difference between activate versus use. So this mainly only comes up if a card is being negated. So if you look at a card like Lightning Storm, Lightning Storm says you can only use this effect of lightning storm once per turn but because it says use and not act or no it says you can only activate this effect of lightning storm once per turn yes so because it says you can only activate once per turn instead of use that means if you're yeah if your opponent negates it with something like bear on the fleur specifically negates the activation correct that's the key thing you want to look for yes so if your opponent negates the activation it allows you to use that again a great way to think about this is use is an umbrella term. If you're using the effect of a card, 
then it applies for everything. So something like Ash Blossom and Joy Spring says you can only use this effect of Ash Blossom and Joy Spring once per turn. Whereas, like I said, so even if that Ash Blossom gets negated, you still cannot try attempt to activate Ash Blossom again because we've already used that effect. But if you have two Lightning Storms, you activate one, your opponent negates it. You can just kind of negate that activation and go, cool, Lightning Storm. I've had it happen to me. Just slap down the second one. Yes. So it gives you a way to play still even if your effect gets negated or if the activation gets negated. Something that's very critical is if there's a big difference between negating the effect and negating the activation. So something like Ash Blossom and Joy Spring negates effects, not activations. So a good example of this in the meta would be branded and lost and branded fusion or branded lost and branded fusion versus ash blossom. So if you have a card that negates activations and your opponent says activate branded lost and then you don't respond and then they activate branded fusion. Well, you can't negate the activation of branded fusion because of the effect of branded and lost. Whereas if you have an ash blossom joy spring, you're not negating the activation, you're just negating the effect. So that's kind of part of the reason that there is a notable difference between negating the activation and negating the effect. And also, if you can if you can only activate or if you can only use an effect once per turn. Mm-hmm. So, the last thing that we're going to cover here is the conjunctions. So there's... Oh, boy. Yeah. There's five conjunctions in Yu-Gi-Oh! When you're reading effects. There's then, also... <laughs> And if you do, also after that, an and. So, then says, do A, then do B. So, A is required for B to happen, but not the other way around. So, a good example of this is branded in red. It makes you target a monster in your graveyard, then add it to your hand and perform a fusion summon. So, you have to be able to fulfill A to do B. Next, if you look at and, it says do and do A and B. A and B is happening simultaneously. If you cannot do both, then nothing happens. So an example of this is Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer. It says destroy one card you control and one card your opponent controls. Uh, it's one card you control, one card on the field. I'm sorry, one card on the field. So essentially, if... You cannot destroy one card you control. So say Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer is the only card on your field. You activate your effect and your opponent chains Ghost Dogger and Snow Rabbit destroying your Phoenix Enforcer. Then you cannot properly resolve the effect because you can't do both. You cannot destroy a card on your field because you have no cards on your field. Yep. Next you have and if you do. So this says do A and if you do, do B. A and B happen simultaneously. A is required for B but not vice versa. So a good example of this is Baxia, Brightness of the Yang Zing. Baxia says, you can target one card you control and one level four lower monster in your graveyard, colon. Destroy that card on the field. And if you do, special summon that other monster from the graveyard. So essentially, if you cannot destroy the monster on your field for whatever reason, your opponent activates something to make it immune to destruction by card effects. Or even better, I have a set card in my back row and my opponent chains where I can't keep break. Yeah. So 
I use Baxia. I target my, I target a card on my field, and I monster my graveyard, and then I think this is where the not vice versa happens, right? Mm -hmm. So if my opponent Regeki breaks the card on my field, Baxia can't destroy it, so it can't summon back from the graveyard. Because it says, and if you do, if you are successful in right. But the difference between this versus then or and is if my opponent activates call by the grave and banishes my target, I still destroy that card on my field. But then I don't get to special summon anything because it says and if you do. So you still fulfill A, but you can't fulfill B. So you and just fulfill you fulfill the effect as much as possible. Yes. All right. Then you have also. Do A, also do B. Now... A and B happen simultaneously, and neither is required for the other to occur. So a good example of this would be Tenyi Spirit Ashuna. So Tenyi Spirit Ashuna says, you can banish this card from your hand or graveyard. Special summon one Tenyi monster from your deck except Tenyi Spirit Ashuna. Also, you cannot special summon monsters for the rest of this turn except worms. So that means that if you banish Tenny Spirit Ashuna, and then for whatever reason you cannot special summon a worm from your deck, you're still worm locked. Correct. Uh, let's say your opponent in response activates Tikaboo and you already have a worm on field. Right. You still get worm locked. Correct. Great example. Next, you have also after that. <clears throat> B happens after A in sequence. Neither is required for the other to occur. So, a good example would be Pot of Duality. Pot of Duality has its effect where you excavate three cards from the top of your deck. It says you add one of those to your hand. Also, after that, you cannot special summon monsters for the rest of this turn. So, that means that if for whatever reason your opponent does something to where you cannot fulfill the first part of the activation of this card, you still cannot special summon for the rest of this turn. Yeah, I can't think of any reason why for that. That's why I added a second example here with the Rise of the Mega Monarch. Right. Um, but it's also after that effect where is uh, relying on it being tribute summoned and using only a beast. Right. Which is to send another, the other one, uh, an extra card. Yeah, and the last thing that we were going to touch on is conditions. Conditions are really weird. They're not really continuous effects. It's just... A continuous effect is basically just a rule of that particular card. A good example would be Phantom Knight's Rusty Bardiche. The very last line of its text cannot be used for a Link Summon. Correct. That is a condition. If your opponent imperms the Rusty Bardiche, you still cannot use it as Link as Link material. And there's no really great way to tell if this if there's if this effect is a condition. You just kind of have to know. Yeah, um, a lot of the times it is something along those lines of this card cannot be used as link material. This cards mm -hmm. can this card cannot be used for blank. Right. This card can only be special summoned by blank. Yes. Uh, something along or this this yeah so stuff like that where it's obviously a negative thing that like that's something I've noticed that a lot of conditions are are negative toward that card and are kind of a limiter on that card. And it's done that way on purpose. Yeah. Uh, another one is one of the Albaz fusions cannot be used as fusion material. Same thing with, I think, was it Chimera Tech Forger's Dragon, something like that? Yeah, same thing. Um, 
yeah, so like I said, the big thing is uh, a lot of these you're going to kind of have to just look it up online. Right. I hate to say that, but it's true. Because uh, a lot, because there's no, there's no good problem solving card text indicator. Yeah. Um, so rule of thumb is if it's a negative thing, it's probably uh, applied to the card that keeps the card from being used for something. It's probably a condition. When in doubt, look it up. Another great example of a condition would be there's naming conditions like a legendary ocean. This card is always treated as Umi, which means that if you have three copies of legendary ocean, you can't use Umi because it legendary ocean is also Umi right. even while in deck building. Correct. So it's a rule of the card. Always, 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 even in that, deck building. Now that is actually very specifically always denoted in parenthesis right underneath where it says like the cards type. Right. Um, Cause that's all the same thing with cyber harpy lady, harpy lady one, harpy lady two and a harpy lady three with harpy lady. The right. Underneath where it says winged beast effect. It says in parenthesis, this card is always treated as harpy lady. Correct. So, I hope that we shed a little bit of light on kind of how to read Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I I know that reading your Yu-Gi-Oh cards is something that's not necessarily intuitive always. It sounds easy. I just read the cards, but there's a lot of text on those cards and a lot of very specific text. That's borderline lawyer speak sometimes. Yes. Have you read Nirvana High Paladin? Yeah, exactly. So, please be sure to read these cards. I I know that there was a lot of information packed very tightly into this episode. Hey, you know, I won't won't stop if you want to listen again. But if you have any questions or concerns... Hit us up in our Discord. We'll be happy to ask. We'll be happy to answer your questions, I mean. Yeah, you can always hit us up on Twitter and the Discord server. We'll answer as best as we can. Or also... Ask your local judge at your locals. Most of the time to get certified as a Konami judge, you really need to know at least most of these effects, conditions, conjunctions. You need to have a pretty general understanding of it. And worst come to worst, say you don't really have a locals that you go to. You don't really want to just put yourself out there and just start asking people. That's fine. I understand that. Google is your best friend. Um, if you don't know what to Google, uh, a very important keyword is ruling. Or PSCT, problem solving card text. Yes. If you type in PSCT in Google and that's all you type in, it'll actually bring up the Yugipedia page for problem solving card text where we got mm-hmm. a lot of our information from. Mm-hmm. So that way you can kind of take yourself step by step through each individual piece. Right. So... It's very, very helpful to know all of these individual things. Yu-Gi-Oh is a complicated card game. And knowing how these cards work and knowing the way that these cards interact with each other can sometimes be the thing that puts you ahead of your opponent. It can really give you that edge in a tournament environment. Just knowing how your cards work, knowing how your cards interact with each other, and knowing how to read a card and understand what a card is doing on the fly. So understanding these things in a quick manner and being able to just read the card and understand the potential applications and usages can help you out in say a tournament a lot by just being able to look at it and tell, Oh, well this isn't once per turn. So 
there's no reason for me to negate this right now. Yeah. Or um, you have to declare, oh, you have to clear your target. Or, oh, the, discard, the discard on this isn't cost. It's it's part of the card effect. So I don't have to discard anything Correct. until after my opponent responds. Right. It's very important to understand all these different little intricacies. So, like I said, if you have questions, hit us up or hit up a, your local judge or do a little bit of research on the problem-solving card text in the game. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you for sticking it out if you're still here. And let's go ahead and do the podcast question of the day. So the last podcast question of the day was, what do you think is the best deck in the current format? We had some great answers. Heroes, Pendulums, Dragon Links, Adamancipator. Okay, a lot of cope, a lot of cope. I understand. <laughs> um, we had some Despia answers. Several people said Despia. Adventure Punk, that's a great answer. We did have a that's couple a of cool answer. Yep, we did have a couple of Sword Soul answers. So, um, today's podcast question of the day is What is something about problem solving card text that confuses you? So, I would love to get some of your answers so that maybe we can potentially answer some of these on the next episode and hopefully yeah. help some people out. Uh, almost, ki- almost kind of do a part two. Yeah, it's kind of a Q&A. Yeah, yeah, where it's like, well, based on your, based on what you just told me, I don't understand this part. Can you clarify this? Right. So thank you all again so much for listening to today's episode. Of course, be sure to check out our Discord in the description down below and our Patreon as well. Be sure to check out our Twitter page at Top Cut Podcast. And of course, check out those affiliate links in the description down below for both Dragon Shield and TCG Player. Go ahead, click on it, and just shopping like you normally would. Costs you nothing extra to support the channel and support the show. We really do appreciate it. And until next time, have a great weekend, everybody. Take care, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.